Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Trash Sheep. It's me, Elliot Greenman, joined by Keith Vance. Howdy, howdy, movie lovers. How we doing out there in movie land? How you doing today, Keith? I'm doing pretty well. How are yeah. you? I'm feeling like a Superman. Are you feeling like a Superman? Yeah. Invulnerability, huh. super strength, x-ray vision. I can fly. Uh, I'm wearing an absolutely ridiculous cape and my underwear on the outside of my pants. I believe you about the underwear outside your pants part. The rest of it, I'm a little, I don't know. but Well, that's how I, bet... I, that's how I feel. That's how I to- I totally buy that that one aspect of it. Well, that's lovely. Uh, yeah, everything over here is you know just kind of business as usual. Yeah, uh, summer's winding down. Do you update the listeners? Do you have a a mustache, a beard, or are you clean shaven? What's your facial hair status? I have at this a mustache, stage? and I have enough stubble on on the rest of my face that it is uh, coming into a beard with the mustache longer than the rest of it so it's in a, it's in a in-between state yeah so you look like a either a russian gangster or a like a prairie outlaw i would say that if i was if i was in like a lot of like direct light the, the the stubble would get washed out a little bit and it would look like i had just a mustache with a little bit of scruff but in inside or slightly in a shadow it probably looked more like a full beard that's cool that's so you How probably about- you're walking around your neighborhood saying things like law don't go around here pretty much yeah calling people law dogs uh-huh like law dogs or like a city folk threatening to turn people's heads into canoes oh absolutely 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. i actually am not allowed to go to talk to most of my neighbors anymore so. yeah <laughs> for legal reasons they just stand in the window in their uh in their you know, Sunday the, Sunday church dress. And then when I walk past, they, they they close the shutters real yeah. real quick and like and get down low. Yep. Flip flip that uh, open sign to closed. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh huh. Tremendous. It's really quite a uh, monarch, uh, remarkable phenomenon. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's like a real hoot. <laughs> it's about it's on the same level as your uh, your Superman scenario right now. So yeah. Okay, well, speaking of superheroes, uh, we got a show today. Um, I guess we're going to do one of those reaction things that everyone likes so much. Yeah, I mean, today it's going to be fun because we're talking traumatized children and the traumatizing events that keep them motivated for vengeance. We saw the new Batman trailer, The Batman. We're going to talk about that our reaction to it and we're i guess we're gonna talk about just like batman in general and what are our favorite batman movies our least favorite batman movies am i correct yeah bat batman through history who's the best batman who's our favorite batman who's the worst batman forgotten batman oh there's uh, a lot of forgotten batman actually yeah yeah uh, well, let me ask you this. Key. Well, first, before we get into that, is there anything else you want to talk about? Any more clothing, uh, fashion choices you've been making lately? Any any rea- movies you've seen that you want to sh- give a shout out to? Any trailers that like piqued your interest? Oh hell no! The uh, my movie list is just growing rapidly every day. 
Um, I am so behind on watching movies, especially on Shudder. Um, there's a ton of movies on there I want to check out, like uh, The Pool and oh, yeah. um, uh, The Color Out of Space. Just hit Shudder with Nicolas Cage. I want to check that out. Uh, there's some movies leaving Shudder that I want to watch before they go, like Let Us Pray and Southbound. It's a kind of exhausting. Underwater with Kristen Stewart. That movie is that on Shudder? Is not on Shudder, but okay. it is available to watch, and I really want to watch it. I thought that looked really cool. It looks fun for sure. It's, I know it's like always, people always make jokes like, oh, I spend uh, three hours looking for something to watch on Netflix and then I fall asleep 20 minutes into it. But it certainly is with like all the different streaming options that you just – it's almost like there's too much choice. Yeah. And you know, like, like the same thing, my movie watch lists get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then I end up watching some movie that I've seen 100 times before. <laughs> yeah, that's always how it ends. I mean that's why I like Crackle a lot just because it's – it's free and there's you can go through every single movie in about two minutes. Yeah. Uh, so don't forget to check out what's crackling on Crackle on uh, the Trash Heap Instagram at Trash Heap Pod. Oh yeah. Be sure to check it out. I'll be um, I'll be laying down some recommendations some and some picks. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of movies on there that you might not normally watch just because of either the horrible cover art or the horrible title or the horrible cast or the horrible writing or one of these many factors that go into choosing a movie <laughs> but, uh, there are a lot of movies on crackle that are something you maybe saw a while ago that you totally forgot about you're like oh wait that's actually a lot of fun and and mindless so i can put it on in the background while i do other crap you know exactly uh that's kind of what i've been yeah most of my movie picks have been either that or like really serious uh slow movies from this like 50s and 60s so it's kind of on either end of the spectrum oh yeah i mean those are just pleasant to have in the background for some reason there's something about the old timey music and the style of talking that's just kind of soothing totally have you seen let me cut you off real quick yes cut me off uh lots of people are talking about this i just casually put this on after hearing someone on a comedy podcast mention it but Class Action Point, a documentary not... about New Jersey's Action Point theme park from the 1980s. Not heard anything about this. Uh, you should definitely give that a watch. It's a... Class Action Point? Yep. It's, yeah, what's it's, it, what's uh, it on? It's on uh, HBO. Oh, okay. Cool. Is it on HBO or HBO Max? Do you know? The, do you know? I mean... Like, is, is it... Because it's weird because like... Uh, Which one do HBO... you have? Well, I have I have HBO Max, but um, I have a Roku TV, and the HBO Max uh, plugin is not available on on Roku yet. So it just comes up as the regular HBO. So I can only watch stuff that's exclusive t- to the original HBO. But then I ha- if I turn on my PlayStation, I can watch HBO Max through that. Oh, listen to this guy. Oh, my Roku doesn't do everything I need I it know. to. Sometimes I have to turn on my <laughs> I PlayStation. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. But I'm just like, ugh, why do I got to turn this on? <laughs> it must be exhausting having to change your diamond-encrusted monocle three times I gotta a use day. A, I got to use like a different, completely different controller for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, what a horrible, horrible future this is. This is exactly... Cert- the future is starting to turn out exactly like Ready Player One, and I hate it 
so much. Oh, just just give it a couple more a uh, couple more months, buddy. <laughs> We're so close. Oh, <sighs> well, yeah. So, I'll, so, what's it called? Ready? Wait, no, fuck no. Me now. I'm gonna say Ready Point One, <laughs> a class action one. Class action point. It's about a okay. a, a half-assed, haphazard theme park that was built uh, by sort of a, a a nutty tycoon, and it was super dangerous. And they hired a bunch of wild kids to run it, and it was just mayhem uh, weekend after weekend. And eventually, people started dying. And it's uh, it's a wild ride for sure. It's one of those documentaries check- that just kind of unravels and yeah. uh, it becomes more fascinating the deeper you get. So uh, that, I'll check that out. I did start watching that documentary series on Netflix called fear. I think it's called fear city about the mob in like the eighties in New York. Um, and that's pretty good. It's a, it's a very well put together documentary, very compelling in its editing and composition. So that's a good one too. Uh, another, I started watching another documentary. Oh, it's not very good, but it's a good one to put on in the background. It's on Shutter. Uh, what's it? You and I were talking about it the other day. It's like the, another one of those '80s movies are great. Oh yeah, in, in Search of Darkness. Yes, the like about '80s horror movies, and it it's it's annoying in the sense that it just has all the like '80s mega fans being being like. This is the best time. Everything is better. Like, uh, do you like the thing? Have you, of course, we all like the thing. You know, it's like everyone likes that movie. You don't have to gush over it for the hundredth time. Yeah, it's but, no longer a unique personality trait to appreciate that movie. Right. That you know, and it's like, oh no, shit! Everyone likes The Fly. Yeah, and if, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep, we've seen that movie too. Oh, Dream so Warriors is the best in the series. Crazy. Shocking. Yeah. Never heard that it, one. <laughs> uh, it's like, let me state the obvious. Yeah. Um, so it breaks absolutely no new ground. It's pretty annoying in that respect. But as we we're just talking about, like if you're folding laundry and or like uh, filling out your taxes or whatever, and you want something in the background, it works for that. And it does do a nice one. Nice thing it does about it is it kind of does go by year by year. Wow. So it goes. Oh, here are all the the significant movies released this year, and here are the movies this, this year. So you do get like a timeline kind of. Of the progression of stuff rather than just a hodgepodge of people talking back and forth about their favorite stuff from the whole decade. That's enough of a selling point that I'm on board. I was sort of hesitant to give that a look just because I know there is a lot of uh, sort of quote unquote online horror personalities like YouTubers and people who are Twitter famous. And honestly, I'm not interested in hearing what they have to say i i would much rather hear from the people who are there the the writers and filmmakers and cast members and you know effects rock stars that were you know there and lived it but uh, if they break it down year by year uh in its historical fashion that's they they've got enough there to rope me in the yeah the internet uh, commentator personalities on this are particularly um oh crap is that us Yes. Hold on. I'm going to go delete my Twitter. I I mean, it is us to a certain extent, except I'm not not to say like, oh, we're doing something so different or we're breaking new ground. It's just like, but it's not like just, I I think the whole point of what we do is to not just be like, hey, uh, let's just, you know, make sure everyone knows how cool we are by asserting our cool points by talking about the thing that everyone agrees upon, which is cool. I I don't think anyone is considered as cool by by any stretch of the imagination 
Agreed. And I don't think anyone considers those people on that, you know, that we're talking about on in that documentary cool, but they certainly think that they're cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that funny, though, the sort of we live in this era of where it's the rise of the cool nerd and like nerds have money and power and success and they're all good looking and put out like sexy calendars. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. It used to be that nerds were outcasts and mutants and now they're they're rising to power and it's i mean personally it's you know it's a threat to my power and my success and i'm terrified get me out of here this whole thing this i mean this and this goes across the board for anything but this whole thing of like establishing your status or worth or personality over what stuff you like right you know now that that, not that not being said like obviously you find common interests with people i mean that's what a lot of our friendship is based upon but we also like generally like each other as human beings as well and it's just like it's like oh i like this particular uh horror movie therefore i am better than this person who likes this horror movie or doesn't like this horror movie or it's it's just so absurd and that's like the the you know the nerddom on either spectrum of whether or not being the nerddom being co-opted to be cool is ridiculous. And also just the like identifying myself as a genre of things that nobody else likes. And I'm an outsider is also ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything I hate would hate more than be, than be to be solely identified as what movie I watched. Yeah. Defined by sort of these fandoms. And having, you know, having never crossed that line into making a movie yourself or writing or, right. you know, participating in that that creative thing that you purport to love so much. It's like if someone was, you know, they define themselves by having the, the best taste in furniture, but mm-hmm. had never made furniture. You know, they had never progressed to that point where they would actually make furniture. Right. And I think even, that's that's sort of the the defining line where between, you know, artifice and and a genuine passion for something, and also with these people with the, with the fandoms and stuff, it it gets so specific to the point where it's yes, obviously we have a kind of a genre of movies, a, ge- a general genre of movies we talk about on this show, but like those aren't the only types of movies that I like. You know what I mean? No, if anything, you you break out of like super far out of those boundaries. I mean, I probably adhere to them in a much stricter sense and am, am way less charismatic and 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 nuanced and fascinating than, you know, just about Hello? anybody. But some of the stuff you watch is, I mean, and we've seen it before in some of the previous shows where we'll we'll do a list you, or something. You, you, just, you just disappeared from my headphones for like 15, 20 seconds. Oh my God. Whatever, as long as everyone else heard you. Also said, Keith, are you still there in the in the middle of it? So maybe everyone else, if they can't hear you, they just think you're a ghost. I don't know. If something's good, it doesn't matter if it's a, a horror movie filled with goo, ooze and goo or a big budget like a studio movie. As long as it's good or has something you know interesting or fun to say, like cool. I mean, but don't listen to us. Like, what do we know? We're nothing. We're getting older and more fussy and and. We don't collect Funko Pops. We don't do anything fun, you know. We're just uh, we're just a couple of yahoos with some microphones, so that we barely know how to use. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Make <laughs> make up your mind for yourself. If you want to watch, you know, Friday the Thirteenth five through eight over and over again until you die, do it. 
you do it and don't let anybody stop you god damn it i'm definitely not gonna stop that person <laughs> well occasionally okay. i am that person <laughs> Well, I guess now we get to get into talking about more. Now that we've just derailed everyone else's opinions, we're going to get more into our opinions about Batman. Yeah. With the release of the trailer for The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, uh, there is a lot of a lot of talk and chatter and discussion about whether or not he was a good Batman. Obviously, the reaction when he was announced as Batman slash Bruce Wayne, you know, People said, "Well, that's preposterous. He's wayfish, and which has literally happened with beautiful vampire, which has literally happened with every single actor I think who's ever been announced to play Batman." So, yeah, literally the the best possible Bruce Wayne slash Batman of all time never even was on the table, and that is Alec Baldwin. Wait, actually, I think he was considered for the first batman movie i don't think so i think that's I, I why think he, he made I, the shadow huh i thought i thought i read somewhere that he like auditioned and he was like in the top top contenders at one point i, I could be wrong uh, there's no uh, way there's no way that alec baldwin if he had auditioned would have been beat out by michael keaton well i love uh, michael keaton as batman i mean that's obviously where we're gonna start here and then we'll right we'll go through the entire batman timeline and land on You'll hear what we have to say about Robert Pattinson, but um... before we get into that, though, I do want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, what is your? Do you have any like Batman background? I mean, like personal. Like, were you a fan of the comic books as a kid? Did you? Was he some? Was a Batman a character that you were into? That you know before movies or in, in conjunction with the movies? You know, it's funny. Is I was so I was born in nineteen eighty three. And mm-hmm. so when 1989's Batman came out, I was, you know, six years old. And I'm pretty sure, as as clearly as I can remember, that was my first introduction to Batman. And so I didn't have an interest in comics and things like that until a little bit later. And um, so that became my, my default entry point into into comics and superheroes and things like that. And coupled with the Batman movie, there was the Batman action figures and vehicles and things like that. And that was really like my gateway into all of that kind of stuff. Were you aware that there was a character called the Batman before that movie? Or was that just, I don't know. Huh? It's a little fuzzy. I'm not sure exactly where it started, but I know that, that that movie was very striking and i remember having the action figures um it that's the thing is i may not remember it but my enthusiasm for that movie was such that i received those toys for christmas or a birthday or whatever and so they were oh, that was already on my plate by the time the most important part of my sort of uh batman pedigree came into play which was batman the animated series in the early nineties, that was really what, what mm-hmm. hammered at home because that was, that show was a masterpiece, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Tim Burton's original Batman movie that, that locked me in. I, I believe the, the Adam West TV show was on television in the, per, in my periphery, but I don't ever remember that being a catalyst. And I certainly didn't have any, any action figures based off of that property. Sure. Yeah. How about I you? Definitely, 
yeah, I was definitely aware of uh, Batman. I was, I'm fairly certain that I had seen either the Batman, uh, like Adam West movie or some of the TV show before the Michael Keaton movie came out. And I had like some older action figures like there were pre you know, pre movie Batman action figures. Uh, so it was definitely, so I was definitely aware and I definitely remember being excited for that movie because it was this thing I already knew. And, uh, I mean, and it was crazy. I mean, like I, the, the, what a big deal that movie was and what the hype it was around it was, I can't re- I recall really like very many other things of that level of just like mania before a movie came out, even like with star Wars movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, before that we didn't even, you know, there was a couple of eighties comic book movies and what have you, but nothing like that, nothing with that kind of budget and nothing on that kind of scale. Uh, I think like Albert Pune's Captain America probably existed, but I don't think that got released. That was after. That was after. Yeah, that was like because that was like kind of like oh that movie came out, Batman came out, and then they're like we're gonna make a bunch of superhero movies, and yeah they made that and it was that came out in like ninety one or something so a couple oh, of years crap. yeah nineteen ninety, but, yeah, but it was yeah totally direct to video uh, right after that because I remember what uh, about eighties Punisher. 80s Punisher. No, fuck. I feel like that was. I feel like that was early 90s as well. I feel like that was was all 1989. 1989. Okay, so right right at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, that was a what a Canon Films direct to video. Right. Yeah. Video. I mean, the really the only like significant like major superhero movie prior to that was like the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, but other than that, there really hadn't been any... And been that like... was such squeaky clean, like... I, I think even then, even before sort of what you'd call the modern era of comics and things like that, I think there was always people on that side of the fence, like, you're either Batman or you're Superman. You're either right. the, the big boy scout or you're the sort of the outlaw vigilante. Right. And I think, too, like, not just in terms of superhero movies, because oh, if you go back... Oh, sorry to cut you off. Swamp Thing came out in 1992. Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. True, but I would. Would you? I mean, I wouldn't really consider that. While that's based on a comic book, I don't think that's something you readily recognize as uh, a superhero. Or when I would say like, "What's a, name name comic book movies?" People do go like Spider Man, Superman. Oh, definitely. And you it know, was like also presented as a, you know, a schlocky kind of sci-fi monster movie too. Right. Like I would never like I'd never really even though it's based on a existing comic book property i would never consider that into the realm of like superhero movies you right know? um but not just yeah not just in terms of comic book movies the, the, the 1989 batman like if you go back and watch it it's there's a lot of it that does that's very dated or perhaps doesn't hold up but there had never been a movie like that stone uh, in terms of like tone stein style wise oh yeah tim burton really... was he was such a fresh creative like visionary it's it pretty was, unbelievable yeah, a crit- really really influential and in, on all fronts you know it was kind of it was kind of a wild movie when it came out i don't think anyone had also uh expected to see a batman you know all dressed in black because you know primarily in the 80s batman comics he was still in his you know gray and blue uniform right. 
that he'd been in like since like the yeah like he started out black and gray and gray in the original comics but then right. quickly became like they yeah, like the more like friendlier version yeah i think that started in the in the 1970s yeah and uh, uh looks like we didn't have as much to say about this stuff as we thought <laughs> well you know what <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say. I'm I was gonna kidding. say. What I was gonna say is, like, I think, pa- partially to looking back on that Batman and Batman Returns, in terms of them style wise and all that stuff, I think they're somewhat. They get, kind of get somewhat tainted by the influence they had on other things. You know, oh, is like, this gonna be an anti Crow rant? No, is that not where this you're time. Going with this, <laughs> not the not this time. But I mean, like, if you look at like kind of the way. Uh, like you know, hot topic, nightmare before Christmas, Timpertonisms have been kind of like co-opted and turned into like this other like cultural thing. Certain things, like certain costumings and stuff, like the Catwoman costume. Now I look at it now, and it's just like from Batman Returns. I look at it, and it's just so awful to me. But that's partly because it's just been become a parody of itself. You know what I mean? Through through the time of people co-opting that into like actual fashions that they would wear in public rather than a, a weird supervillain costume. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, this is pretty much your anti-Crow rant adjacent. You, you hate the culture that it inspired and the people that have embraced that culture. <laughs> okay. So you're absolutely correct. It is, it is the same thing as my Crow rant. I just didn't mention the Crow. You brought it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounded so familiar. I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. But I think you're right. It is such a distinct time and distinct place. And even, you know, looking at the Batman suit, um, there's it's there's like a cold, lifeless kind of look to it, which I think what? is important. And I think it worked, especially for the time. Um, but it, well, can't, it, also, it can't stay fresh forever. No, but I mean, it also did kind of set the tone for like what every single superhero costume would be like pretty much after that, you know, that whole concept of like, Oh, his costume's not like tights and spandex anymore. It's body armor shaped like muscles. Well, that was such a, such an ingenious presentation because you know, they were, they had, they were right on the money with realizing that you couldn't take those ridiculous costumes and put them into real life because even as good as the Superman movies are, you know, it's literally a man wearing, spandex and it looks very silly it it doesn't always translate and it's finding that yeah finding that balance between the two you know but yeah that kind of set the tone for what what the majority of superhero like costume depictions would be from that that on you know yeah well and even you know getting to michael keaton finally he was not what people expected because he wasn't a you know, six foot tall, square jawed, you know, Adonis, you know, like a lot of the sort of modern uh, superhero movie actors are like uh, Chris Evans and, and people like that. He was, you know, he was primarily a character actor at the time right. doing movies like, you know, one good cop and Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice and uh, what used cars or what yeah. gung-ho or gung-ho yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all kinds well, of wacky it's funny stuff. it's funny because they're yeah like that people when people 
touching back to what we said, like every Batman that's come out, every actor who's announced they're going to be play Batman, everyone freaks out and says like, oh, they're going to be awful. But like people were freaking out about Michael Keaton because he was Beetlejuice and night, you know, uh, night shift and all these comedic roles and stuff. And they're like, oh, you're going to have this like weird, weirdo guy play Batman. And it's like, well, one, Batman's a weirdo guy, but two, people are always shocked that actors can act and do different things. Yeah. It's kind of like, huh, it's shocking that this a guy whose sole job is to pretend to be someone else can pretend to be <laughs> yeah. more than one person. It's like, remember when a one hour photo came out with Robin Williams, uh, Robin Williams, and everyone was like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, he's, he's just always this funny guy. And now he's just he's just so believable and crazy as this, you know, psycho. And it's like, yeah, dude, a talented guy can yeah. bridge, you know, do other things. It's like you're the one who's pigeonholed him, not not himself. You know? Right. He's just pretending. Yeah, and isn't isn't it funny that yeah they get into a, a pattern and the expectation becomes they're always going to be that way, and then when right. they change, it's it's like hold on, we don't that's not what we wanted from you, right? But whatever, I mean, but yeah, I actually think uh, I th- how would you rate Michael Keaton as Batman? Not necessarily the movie itself, but just him as Batman. For someone who doesn't fit the exact mold in the sort of the comic book depiction, you know, he's got curly hair, he's, you know, short, he's kind of a, you know, a lean guy. He does a tremendous job as both Bruce Wayne and Batman. He he not only brought like his scowl and his his like facial just look is, you know, spooky and sinister and he's got a like a distinct like gravelly voice. He did a great job alternating the voice between Bruce Wayne, you know, the the corporate uh, figurehead and Batman without getting into ridiculous territory. He was right. able, he portrayed that duality without it being cartoony, like we've seen in some cases. Right. And um, yeah, I think he was great. And I, you know, as a kid, I had no problem with him. As an adult, I had no problem with him. Like I said, like, I imagine, you know, people who would be perfect for that role like uh alec baldwin but in terms of the batman that we got he was great i think i think you hit the nail on the head about alternating between bruce wayne and and uh batman and not just bruce wayne and batman but the two different bruce waynes because there's the bruce wayne the like the character that the, the character that Bruce Wayne is putting on as himself, projecting himself as like, oh, I'm just this billionaire. And then there's also like the real Bruce Wayne, who's the more like tortured soul, you know, sad guy. And then there's Batman. So there's actually three characters going on. And he does such a good job of subtly switching between those three, particularly with a script that doesn't necessarily have a lot of stuff going on with it character wise. No, he really brought a lot to the table. I think you really hit it there. And it's something you can miss if you're not paying attention, but there is that middle point where he's he's Bruce Wayne who is, you know, a little less charismatic and he's more soft-spoken and it's, you know, in those moments when he's talking to Alfred and hanging out in the Batcave and you know, those moments when he sort of gets real and he's not quite Batman, but he's also not not the public figure that right. he portrays himself as. I would think it'd be really interesting if you could somehow transport uh, Michael Keaton at that age to 2005 or six, whenever, when Batman Begins came out and have him play that version of the Batman. 
and see how that movie would be. I wonder. I'm not even sure. I don't even want to get into it yet. I want to wait until we talk about Christian Bale and Batman Begins and all oh, that. Oh, sure. <laughs> totally. Because now you, you, you brought that up, and now just the wheels are spinning. Yeah, totally. What do you like more? Do you like the Batman 1989 or Batman Returns better? Hold on one second. I'm going to go to the bathroom, and then I'll answer that question when oh I get back. Oh, my God. Don't leave me alone again with this. You know I, fl- <laughs> I, I can't handle the pressure of being here alone while you pee. Talk about... Um, Talk about uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Okay, I'll try. Okay, guys. Keith is gone again. He thinks we're going to be talking about Jack Nicholson's Joker. But I, what I really want to talk about is I'm really concerned about Keith's uh, bladder um, habits because he said that he was making tea right before this. And he had to get up to go do that. But I honestly think he was going to the bathroom. And he pees so much that I'm I'm concerned that there might be a, an underlying issue. And I pee a lot too. So don't 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 think this is coming just from a sole place of judgment of how much this person pees. I drink a lot of water and then I'll do something stupid like drink coffee right after drinking all that water. And then I just have to pee all the time. But I'm worried that there might be something going on that either Keith isn't telling us about or he's not actually peeing. He's doing something else. I'm not saying that he's like going off to go do like some inject some hard drugs that the kids are always doing. But um, if there's just some other weird thing he's doing, like checking his Bitcoin accounts or buying uh, buying weird things on the dark web. I'm not sure, but I think we just kind of need to be aware of his habits and try and watch for the clues about what's really going on. Are you talking about Jack Nicholson's online shopping habits? Oh, no, I was, yeah, I was talking about uh, Jack Nicholson and the Joker. I definitely wasn't talking about you or any weird things you've been doing or any concerns I might have. That's, that's so funny that you would, you would pull those kinds of pranks on me, the person who edits the podcast, because I, I could know. just go in and, <laughs> and cut him out. change it to, actually, it's me, Elliot, who is the weird one. Okay, well, yes, that is true. You could do that, but I'm just banking on the fact that you might just be like, ah, fuck it. Well, to answer your question, I actually prefer Batman Returns. I think by the time that rolled around, Michael Keaton had, had found, had really found his stride with Batman, he was ready to, you know, he, he had like a full range of the character. And so he was ready for, like really ready for uh, relationship Batman and and work Batman and, you know, Batman dealing with super wacky villains. Like his repartee with the Penguin is great. And I think even better than the Joker Although, you know, that first Batman is is pretty good. But I think I would, by the time he hits Batman Returns, he's really firing on all cylinders. I would say Batman Returns is definitely the more polished of the two, uh, where it's just it's a, a tighter movie that, you know, uh, there's not as many. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the first one where it's just like, oh, that doesn't look like you had time to finish doing, you know, editing yeah. that or. Something like something like stuff like that. But that being said, I I think the first one's more fun, and I'd rather watch the first one, even if the second one's technically a better made movie. 
I my only disappointment is that we didn't get to see Michael Keaton in a third Batman, even one where he was maybe an older Batman. Oh, I think yeah. that would have been really cool, like a Dark Knight Returns style, or even uh, Batman Beyond. Oh yeah, that's set in the future. I'm not sure if you know about. Batman I never. Beyond. I, I know about Batman Beyond. I never watched that show or. Because that was a cartoon, it wasn't a comic, yeah. right? It was. Right, but, it is a comic I, now, but yeah, it, it started, started out as, as a, just a cartoon gimmick, right? It it would be fun to see Bat, like see Michael Keaton in a as an older Batman, particularly if you could do it with where it didn't necessarily have to tie into the continuity of his first Batman movies. Yeah, or it's just like it's completely separate Batman universe, but it just happens to be played by Michael Keaton again. Oh, I would enjoy that. Maybe we'll get that. I highly, I highly doubt it, but <laughs> who knows? Oh, I think they made that movie. It's called Birdman. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that takes us to the next Batman movie. Before we get into the next set of Batman movies, uh, here's a word from our newest sponsor, Axis Chemicals. New and improved Joker products with a new secret ingredient. Smiley. What is it? Now, let's go over to our blind taste test. Love that Joker. Where's it coming from? I don't know. Uh-oh. He don't look happy. He's been using Brand X. But with new Joker brand, I get a grin again and again. Oh, that luscious tan. Those ruby lips and hair color, so natural, only your undertaker knows for sure. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Where can I get these fine new items? Well, that's the gang. Chances are you bought them already. <laughs> Love and joking. So remember, put on a happy face. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh-huh. Okay, so that takes us to our next Batman movie, Batman. Batman Returns was in 1992. There wouldn't be another Batman movie until 1997. I thought, was that 1997? I thought it was 95. 1997. Damn, okay. Yeah. They were They were in the, oh wait. No, I'm looking at Batman and Robin. It was 95, wasn't it? And yep. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Is Oof. under the hood. Well, I think it's safe to say, from my perspective, that Val Kilmer kind of ranks into the bottom as, as Batman's and Bruce Wayne's. Yeah. Is he, is Val Kilmer terrible? As, in general, or as Batman? As Batman. Because I think that he brings at least something, uh, he brings an adequacy to the table where he is perfectly fine as a bruce wayne type he's fine he is fine he's not terrible i would say it would be like if there was uh a wb network uh batman's tv series and val Kilmer wasn't isn't famous that's who would get cast as batman for tv for you know a medium range budget tv show that's kind of the level of Batman I think we're getting here. And I do th I think Val Kilmer is a good actor. And just kind of what we were talking, though, about 
you know, before about like we're always shocked when actors can play different stuff, but oftentimes that doesn't mean an actor is is suited to play any role. And Val Kilmer, I think, is somebody who, based on you know physical appearance, everyone goes like, oh, he's a leading man, action starry type guy, and. I don't think that's really his forte. I think he's more of a character actor trapped in a leading man's uh, body. Yeah, and that makes me think that in this role, once he put on the mask, I think that he just decided that this wasn't going to be something he could really sink his teeth into and there wasn't a whole lot to do being Mm -hmm. restricted by the costume. And so maybe he just was going through the motions because he really brings sort of a detached aloofness to the entire thing as Bruce Wayne and as Batman. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's he, also just, th- he just saw no opportunity to, you know, be an actor, I guess. And I so mean, also, like yeah, he not, just gave up the script. I mean, not to mention the script for this movie is pretty terrible and there's not a lot to work with, you know, uh, the scripts for the first two Batman and Batman Returns aren't great either. It's just you know the everyone else like director you know director of production design everything else working firing on all cylinders to kind of elevate those movies. Uh, but this one is particularly just kind of like if you watch that movie, it's a real slog to get through. There's yeah. not even there's nothing even really fun about it. Uh, everybody in the movie is either just kind of like not not acting well or just kind of like miscast or their interpretation of the character is all wrong yeah everyone's either monotone in their 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 execution of the character or they're just shouting and and yeah and flailing around wildly there's no real in between tommy lee jones and jim carrey were probably oddly enough kind of both at the height of their level of stardom at that time including tommy lee jones are both just kind of playing like bad uh like bad bad versions of the joker not playing their own characters yeah it's like how far was tommy lee jones removed from the fugitive at this time i have only a few years i mean two three years it can't yeah it can't be more than that yeah that's what i'm saying like that's where like yeah 93 yeah this is when uh (laughs) this is when tommy lee jones was like a hot commodity you know uh and then Jim Carrey was just like basically on like you know like on the peak of his rising stardom. Yeah, he could have done anything he wanted. And I mean, you just watch that movie, and it's just it's. Just, I don't know. I just I watched it probably not not that long ago, a couple two three years ago, and it's the first time I had seen it in a long time, and I was it was just kind of tedious to get, oh, yeah. get through it, you know. But when I, I mean, saw you, when I saw this in the theater as a kid, I thought I was like, whoa. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't it was think it was. Then. I didn't think it was the best thing I'd ever seen, but I was still like, "This is awesome." Sure, but I also like when I, at a certain age, when I saw the the Adam West Batman's, I didn't even realize those were supposed to be comedies. You know what I mean? Like, right, exactly. And I think that's what happened here too. It was you know visibly a uh, a riff on the campier versions of Batman and uh-huh. starting to integrate a lot of that stuff, and it just completely misfired. And it, I mean, it yeah. would in the next movie also. Yeah, and you're talking about like watching it as kids and be like, and then you people often will make the argument like, well, yeah, but it's like obviously geared at kids. No wonder you you didn't like it. Like, there is no reason why a kids movie can't be well made. That's you know? true. I still enjoy kids movies when they're good kids movies. You yeah. know, 
Snow Day and the Big Green are arguably two of the most tremendous kids movies of all time and they're you know whoever made those is no slouch let me tell you wait was it the same person who made both of them i don't think so but oh okay it might be because they use a lot of the same sort of techniques like um uh uh uh, you know people moving in like time lapses of people set to like wacky music Mm. and also ska soundtracks and um you so know. they were basically just both directed by the 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Over the Hill, Chris Elliott, and Over the Hill, Steve Gutenberg, both playing yeah. roles. And oh, man. Ooh, I could yeah. tell you, let's just do a show called The Big Green and Snow Day, and uh, I'll be ready to retire after that. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, would, I would, yeah, I would venture to say that Batman Forever, you know, Batman and Robin, the George Clooney one, is the one that definitely gets the most flack out of all the Batman movies, but I would venture to say like, while I'm not defending Batman and Robin, I would rather watch that movie than Batman forever because at least that movie just goes so far into like absurd stupidity that there's some level of enjoyment on how corny it is. That's a perfect segue because, uh, while Batman and Robin is entertaining, um, as shit, I personally, George Clooney is the worst, the dirt worst Batman in the entire, I mean, even worse than, I'm not a fan of the Adam West Batman, and I think George Clooney is, George Clooney is just acting like himself in a turtleneck, and that's it. Yeah. That is it. He is, he brought even less to the table than Val Kilmer. Yeah, there's something going on there where it's when Chris O'Donnell is outshining you. Yeah, something something's wrong. And I like George Clooney. I think he's a good actor. Uh, I think he's also like really good in funny roles, which he doesn't do that often. But I think he's particularly good in, in those roles. And there was opportunity for him to be funny in this Batman movie because of how stupid it is. And he doesn't even really embrace that. It's just maybe he was maybe he was trying to walk a line in the middle and it just didn't work. Or maybe he just realized what he got himself into and was like, oh, no. But I, th- I think that he thought he was being funny. I think that he thought he was deadpanning. He was like, oh, if this is all going to be like wacky and over the top, like I'll be the straight man. It's going to be hilarious. I think it's the same type of comedy he would go on to exhibit in in later movies like uh, uh, uh men that stare at goats and and things sure. like that. I think that he he was ready to work with the Cohen brothers here in the 90s and just didn't yeah. get the opportunity. What if what if that's what got him the role in uh Oh Brother or Art Thou? Is they saw they saw Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. And they and saw like, the this they saw his comedy potential. They're like this guy's drier than toast. Like let's get yeah. him. Let's get him where he needs to be. Unbelievable. That's pretty much all I have to say about George Clooney, honestly. There's not much. That movie's no. a hell of a lot of fun for other reasons, but George Clooney is not one of them. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze? Yeah, he tears it up. Here's a guy who, whether he did it right or did it wrong, he sank his teeth into that and had a lot of fun, and you can you can feel it. I was I saw an interview with Chris O'Donnell uh, where he was talking about how him and he never even like met... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on set because most of the time 
uh, it was just like a, a guy in a, a Mr. Freeze costume. And then all of the Mr. Freeze scenes would just be the, where it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, just the close ups. So it would just be, there wouldn't even be the other actors on set. That's amazing. It would just, it would just be stand ins and he'd be like, just like with the director. That's some of my favorite stories about movie magic is where like, oh yeah, we're, you know, antagonists in this movie and we literally never filmed a scene together. Totally, yeah. And it's like, did they plan that out ahead of time or was it just like the the superstar actor sort of big dogging it and making their stand-in do a bunch of stuff? Maybe it wasn't necessary for them to be in all those scenes. I don't know. Well, it's also, it's kind of, I think it's funny too, like relating to that to like the current uh, situation, what's going on now about how all these movies are shut down and stuff. And Hollywood's like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to produce TV shows and movies and stuff? It's like, well, maybe you can produce different types of movies and TV shows. They don't have to be exactly the, you know, the same stuff that you're always doing, but like clearly you can film stuff where actors aren't even in the same place and it looks like they are, or maybe they don't need to be because you're just cutting in between somebody in one room here talking to someone else in it across the world. And there's like this cut, cutting back and forth. I mean, like John McClane and uh, the dad from Family Matters have a huge, like, you know, a, develop a huge friendship and bond in Die Hard and they don't share a single scene together except at the very, very end. I mean, that makes more sense just given the storyline. Right. But yeah, that's another fun one to hear. But yeah, there, like I... there's so many stories where uh, actors weren't even, you know, they're filming a dialogue where they're in the same room talking to each other, but they never, it just never happened. We're there happened. together. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah, it's just funny to me, like how, like, you know, Hollywood can't figure out how to produce stuff during this time and it's just like maybe you just have to do something slightly different from what you've been doing for the past you know few years you know yeah just use longer lenses yeah <laughs> shoot them from far away it'll be fine anywho that's a little uh digression yeah so yeah, that I, I, that last uh batman and robin was 1997 there wouldn't be another batman movie until batman begins in 2005 right now, before we get into our man Christian Bale here, should we touch on Adam West at all? Because personally, he is not a Batman that was really on my radar. Like, even when I was younger, that that Batman was just so far out of out of my kind of atmosphere. Like, I didn't even. To me, I, I know a lot of people love Adam West for various reasons, and he's a tremendous, he's a great-looking man. He's very attractive and charismatic, and, you know, he had a hell of a career. But to me, he's just not even in consideration because he was on a TV show during a completely different period that has yeah. almost nothing to do with the modern take on the character. I wouldn't even say even the modern take on the character. Even at the time, like, it was obviously, like supposed to be a parody of comic books yeah it's it's like a stage show and it's like this would be like saying like this would be it would kind of like trying to rank him in the realm of batman's would be trying to rank an snl skit about batman yeah and be like oh horatio sands was the best batman in this snl skit like it's 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 a it's somewhat irrelevant to try and put him in there i would say i'd be much more inclined to rank uh 
Is it Chris Conroy? The oh, voice Kevin actor? Conroy? Yeah, Kevin that, Conroy. That was going to be my next question is how do you feel about including that? Because obviously since then, there's been a lot of DC animated movies right. um, that are tremendous. The DC animated universe is really something special, but getting into that, you know, the different artists' uh, conceptions and, and styles and then the voice acting... Um, but I think it's worth mentioning at least once because Kevin Conroy is very beloved by uh, Batman fans. And for a lot of people, it was, you know, a generationally defining performance and that he's still engaging in today. So it's yeah. been a hell of a legacy for him coming off of that show. And I think especially for me, that was a big deal, like coming home and watching Batman, the animated series every single day. And I mean, I own seasons of it on DVD and I'll go back and watch it. And they had no business producing a children's cartoon at that high of a level. The amount of craft and performance and just art put into that is... It definitely holds up. Yeah, it's unbelievable how how much they put into just a kid's cartoon, which during that time most cartoons around that were essentially glorified toy commercials. And I will say, yeah, it would, it would be very difficult to try and do like all the different, you know, like you said, like the animated versions. And I think that's kind of pointless. Yeah. But I do think it's significant to talk, you know, at least touch on that about how, how well that cartoon kind of nailed Batman better than a lot of these movies did. And also I think that cartoon significant to me personally, because it, it uh, helps launched the career of Darwin Cook, who is kind of like the, he did like the, basically like the, the visual design of the cart of the cartoons, so all the character designs and stuff yeah. he created, he created, and he went on to write some of my favorite comic books, including what I think is one of, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like what I think is one of the best, uh, uh, superhero movies is, is actually hit one of a comic book that he wrote, which is called new frontier, but it, it's drawn in completely widescreen panels almost entirely so each panel looks like a like a like a movie screen oh weird and it has and has a very sim- cinematic kind of uh kind of uh storytelling other than the fact that it's long much longer form so you people be more like a mini series than a, a straight up movie uh but narratively it, it kind of has that flow and it kind of has this if you want to read a comic book where it's like we're talking about like, oh, the transferring of comics to screen and then you kind of have this weird thing of like, well, now it's not a comic book anymore. It's real. And how do you do- balance that tone? This comic book actually does it a lot better than a lot of the movies because it does transplant these characters into a real world scenario historically because it's it takes place during the golden era of comic books. So like from 40s to the early 60s and it kind of rewrites those characters in lieu of the actual not in lieu, in conjunction with the actual uh, history and politics of what was going on at that time. That's so funny that you you talk about the relationship between you know comics and translating it to film because New Frontier just became an animated movie. I saw that that happened. That that was that was relatively recent that that happened, and I haven't watched it yet. And uh, I'm cu- I'm I'm curious to see what the results are. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised to hear that you even have like favorite comics. That's that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that about you. Well, now you do. Yeah, you're a 
big stupid nerd. <laughs> just like all these people listening. You're all sick, you freaks. I actually just got a, some comic books, well, like a collected comic book thing in the mail yesterday that I haven't read yet, but it's called Godzilla, The Half-Century War. So it's a Godzilla comic book. I'm going to probably read that this weekend. Nice. That's good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never... It's it's so funny to think about a time before uh, uh, trade paperbacks, which for all you, um, you know, half-ass nerds out there, a trade paperback is when... Uh, a story arc or a series of collected issues, you know, are all bound together. So unlike a graphic novel, quote unquote, which is, you know, essentially a a self-contained story, this will be a storyline that's contained from an ongoing series. And uh, there was a time when I used to just buy individual issues. I would buy like, you know, issue number 158 of Spawn, or I would buy, you know, issue number 275 and then issue number 314 of web of spider-man and i'd have no idea what was going on uh, and be totally lost and then as i got older i smartened up and i was like well if i buy them all together like this i'll actually get the full story isn't this great if there were if if trade paperbacks did not exist there is i would not read comic books like at all yeah it really cuts down on the storage factor too you look like Mm -hmm. less of a like a, a weirdo hoarder when you totally. have them just sitting on the shelf. I mean, the only time I might, I would be maybe inclined to buy a single issue is like if I was in a comic book store, which I don't go to comic book stores that often anymore. But if I was in one and I saw something like, oh, this looks interesting, I might pick up a single issue just to get a vibe, vibe for it and then either buy a trade paperback if it already exists or wait till one came out and then uh, finish reading it that way. Oh, speaking of comic shops, uh, I don't live in Tacoma, but if you do, uh, head on down to Destiny City Comics. Uh, that shop was, uh, I believe sometime in the last two years, that shop was going out of business, and it was purchased by uh, professional wrestler Ethan HD, a.k.a. Ethan H. Diaz, and he brought it back to life and is uh, the sole proprietor and operating it uh currently and he's he's out there uh selling comics and he's shipping comics and he's fulfilling orders and doing curbside pickup and all that good stuff so if you're in the tacoma area and you want some comics go check him out and give him some support there you go they might even have some batman comics batman eh well which brings us back to what we were just talking about Batman Begins. We're here. The modern, the modern, like the new era of Batman, the Batman in the real world. That's what we're talking about right now. We're talking Christopher Nolan, the master of reality. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) The guy makes historical war films. Memento. He's a serious artist. He is a serious artist. He's something. Um, I like Christopher Nolan just fine, but... Batman Begins really set the tone of what super movies, hero movies are going to be like, you know? Uh, he That movie came out, and then pretty much every movie since then has been following the formula that it set up. Oh, what? Having too many villains and too many plot threads? <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> got him. I got him. Skewered. Uh, 
No, I mean those movies are those movies are good. Uh, I don't think they. I, I don't think. Um, I don't think they are the best superhero comic book movies ever made. And I certainly, I've talked about it on the this, on this show before. So, unless we're going to be doing a whole episode on why the Dark Knight is not as good as people think it is, uh, I don't. I'm not going to touch on it too much more. But I don't think that movie is nearly up to its hype. Lives up nearly to its hype. And I actually think. The most skewered one, of, or not skewered, but criticized one of the his trilogy, The Dark Knight Rises, is probably the be- the best. Um, but I, while those movies are good, I think there's just some key character points about Batman that Christopher Nolan either just dismissed or didn't understand. And there's large portions of those movies that don't work narratively for me. But that being said, they're really good action movies. Yeah, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the guy under the cowl. That's true. And that's Christian Bale, a man who, leading up to Batman Begins, listen to this. Listen to what what this guy was in. A Midsummer Night's Dream, American Psycho, Shaft, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Laurel Canyon, Reign of Fire, we get, we got to talk about that on a future episode. Oh yeah, Rain, Rain of, of Fire, Fire is, is awesome, fucking great. Yeah, Equilibrium, The Machinist, <sighs> Howl's Moving Castle, and then Batman Begins. Yeah. What? what? Did, a... did anybody see Christian Bale coming? No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of out of the blue in the, in terms of that, but I mean. It kind of certain aspects of his career, I think, kind of makes sense. Particularly the Machinist, maybe, even though that's such a wildly different movie, it has such it has such a dark vibe to it. It shows like his level of method acting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I how do you feel about Christian Bale as Batman? Well, so I don't recall him even being on my radar really too much. Uh, until he became Batman. I think there was some rumblings about movies like Equilibrium, and I remember I didn't see Reign of Fire until much, much later, because at that time I was like, well, dragon movies, stupid shit. Don't talk to me about dragons. Get out of here. And um, uh, even movies like Shaft and... I mean, I don't know that I had even seen American Psycho at that point. Mm. Uh, but I think that was probably what he was the most famous for. Oh, well, and yeah, for in, sure. In terms of my my sensibilities. And so that that was the thing, though, is he showed up as Batman, and, and he was a young Batman, and I was like, okay, cool. I didn't, I wasn't a fan of his lisp, and I know that he has a, you know, his his English accent is much different than the voice that he uses to portray Batman. So uh, I was on board. In, it, they showed him in the context as a, as a young Batman traveling the world, training, and then, you know, going on his first missions and doing all that good stuff. And uh, I thought it worked, and I thought it was a strong presentation of Batman in the real world. In the first Batman Begins, I accepted the the throaty growl and whisper that he brought to Batman. But mm. as time went on and as the movies went on, I became less and less accommodating of that and it 
it really started taking me out of the movie and bothering me. And in 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 the most recent years, it's really a big turnoff that kind of actually stops me from watching those movies and uh, and actually sours them for me. So ultimately, well, uh, like I think he was a great leap forward as a Batman, but then eventually he just kind of stumbled. He, I think it's he also though like his his the gravelly growl he does it jumps much higher in the second movie. Yes. It's like he, he like like in the first movie it's it's there but it gets cranked up to 50 uh in the second movie and it's such an odd choice because I I in the first movie I was like oh I like that it's cool. In the second movie it's just it almost seems like someone doing a joke of the first movie. Yeah, it definitely it's dips so into parody territory and it's wild that, that no one at all ever said like uh maybe that maybe we should tone it but down back to way, the way it was in the first movie or present it in a different way and we'll yeah. we'll eventually get to ben affleck's batman and i think that that really was a home run as far as how do we how do we reconcile the the identity issue right and and the voice how it comes into play uh so but i mean i will say even that that voice issue is still kind of a small gripe when you you look at the big picture because there was nobody who was ever ever closer to checking all the boxes i think partially though that might have something to do with the fact that it was a more developed script in terms of character and character arc whether or not i necessarily agree with the character arc that the character Batman went on in those movies 100%. Uh, there was more going on than kind of just like the large, you know, broad strokes of the earlier movies. I think Christian Bale is good in the movie. There's I, there's something there's something major lacking for me, though, in, in his performance. And I can't put my finger on exact, 100% what it is. But there's just something that doesn't completely click for me. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, this is a very superficial analysis of mm-hmm. of a performance, but his face wearing the mask and the and the costume in Nolan's Batman movies is doesn't quite add up for me either. I'm much more I- into the uh, sort of sculpted look. And right. I mean, I know this is, I get it, this is reality-based, it's tactical, it's fully functional, which is an achievement in itself, but just in the visual presentation and sort of how things look, you know, I came from that very gothic-looking right. Batman, which, you know, I it was really hard to top that. There's so many shots and moments in Tim Burton's Batman movies where that costume and that mask just look unbelievable. Totally. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, his costume in because he it's a different costume in the first in Batman Begins, and I like that one just fine. But then when it switches to his, like he, he said his more functional tactical costume, yeah, in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, I don't care for that one very much. Yeah. Um, I think his performance works best for me, oddly enough, when he's the most removed from Batman and like the. Uh, playboy bruce wayne character in batman begins at the beginning of the film where he's uh in china and then training with 
Ra's al Ghul. His performance works really well for me yeah. there. And then also in Dark Knight Rises, when he's hung up the mantle of Batman at the beginning, and then later on when he gets thrown into that like whole prison by Bane, like underground whole prison, his performance works tremendously for me there. Yeah. It's kind of where, and I, I'm not, I, I, maybe I'm, I sound like I'm heavily criticizing Christian Bale's performance. That's not the thing. I do think he's a good Batman. I just think it's at those ends where he's best. And it's perhaps because it's best there and kind of wanes uh, in the other parts that it seems a little bit disappointing to me overall. No, and that's the, that's the tough part of this entire format of a show is we're we're essentially having to tear down the ones that are not our favorites in order to right. to get there. And so it's just we're just biding our time. It's like, when am I going to talk about my favorite Batman? This is going to be fun, but we gotta right. You know that that's not to say that the other ones are bad, except for the ones that we said were bad. Right, specifically but, like this is bad. Yeah. But it's like it's here are the reasons why this isn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. But it's still you know uh, up until that point there was uh, again that's a great thing about the Batman movies is every time we get some new ones it's this new plateau, right? And that that's actually pretty much true for the most part. And like I said, like when I saw Batman Begin, so like I said, I'm giving like these criticisms. I was like, that's the best comic book movie, like conventional like superhero comic book movie i think i've seen up until that point even though looking back on it like to me it misses it misses some some key marks uh or the bat or at least the nolan trilogy does and and while i wasn't as impressed as a movie overall of about the dark knight there are some great amazing sequences in that movie like that's undeniable and there's some really good performances in that movie so there you know i mean like yeah we're like we're nitpicking and stuff, but that doesn't mean these aren't, you know, pretty well-made movies. Exactly. And if you guys want to argue about it, uh, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Instagram, and let's uh, let's agree to disagree. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we move on to the infamous Ben, Aff- ben Affleck Batman, or do we have more to say on Christian Bale? I mean, I think that's about it. He was, you know, he's a great Bruce Wayne. He was a pretty good Batman, and uh, but he wasn't my favorite, and that's really it. He was. He was not. Oh, was not. Okay. Nope. And okay, so now we're moving on to Ben Affleck, who was another controversial choice. Which honestly, why do you think he was controversial? Because it had nothing to do with his acting or whether or not he was suited to be Batman. It was because of the fact that he's Ben Affleck and all he's the... He's too famous. He's too famous. All the celebrity hype around him. He was married to Jennifer Lopez. He's the dude from Goodwill Hunting. He's made a bunch of shitty movies, you know, which totally disregards good movies he's been in. Yeah, he was, also, he was in town. Yeah. You know, uh, it was just kind of... It's it's when we're talking, getting back and talking about the fandom and the fans and the internet and all this crap and just you know people lose their fucking mind. They're like, well, this character, this guy, how can this guy play this actor because he has blonde hair and the character and the blah 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 has red hair and it's like even if you ever heard of hair dye or also even if you don't dye their hair, yeah. it doesn't really matter unless the color of their hair is somehow a defining factor of their character. Yeah, you know. It's, it gets so ridiculous and stuff, and like the amount of times that like 
I mean, even when I hear something like, I'm like, that guy's going to be in this movie or this guy's going to be playing that character and it seems a little off to me, I'm like, I'm at least like curious to see what the end result will be rather than out and out just be like, this movie is trash and, and it's awful and it's already destroyed before a single frame of it has been shot, you know? I actually think he was pretty good. I think the movies he was in were terrible. I think he did an adequate job with what he had to work with. And I think with a with a better script and a better and better directions, his his rendition of Batman could have been really good. I'm a, I'm the type of person who if I if someone is sort of too famous or just playing themselves, it's so distracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I can't watch Tom Cruise movies in in most cases just because he's acting he he's just himself. He is mm-hmm. who he is. He's uh, the mega star, Tom Cruise, and he's not playing a character. He's just he's just there, and I can't see past it. However, in the case of Mister Ben Affleck, he is my favorite Batman. I of knew you were gonna say time. this. I knew you were gonna say this. All and time. before we get into that, I do want to touch on something you just said about you know actors being too famous. I. Th- I agree with you, but like there's certain times where it is sometimes hard to separate that and bringing too much celebrity to a role can hurt it at times. But I think in the, in the case of Batman, it kind of works because you know who else is famous within the world of this is Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is a famous person, right? right. Everyone knows who Bruce, Bruce Wayne is. So casting a famous actor, it actually lends some, something – to that role in the sense that we are now experiencing the rec- the facial recognition of that character the same way people just walking the streets of Gotham or the world in the Batman universe would. I would say like I would say casting a Superman it makes more sense to cast a complete unknown because he's this guy who comes from space and just lives in a small town and works, you know, a regular job and is not Right, you don't want him to be recognizable right. or distinct. You want him to be sort of you know, blend in almost a nobody. Right, exactly. But I think casting a, a famous person actually generally can lend itself to the character of Batman. Yep, and I think that works here, especially with Ben Affleck, because I was I was skeptical when I heard it, but when you look at him in the movie, specifically, you know, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the movie with all the titles, he looks the part which is that's you know that's the entry level necessity does this guy look like bruce wayne yeah and he fucking does he's got a big giant head and a square jaw and he's got the awesome temple gray hair and he's you know he's kind of jacked he got huge for that movie yeah and it's and what they really did was and i think this was Zack snyder's intention is they were trying to connect the dots on uh, The Dark Knight Returns, which is uh, an 80s comic book by Frank Miller where uh, Batman is much older and he comes out of retirement to battle uh, the mutant gangs and the Joker and all this stuff. And in that, Batman is still, he's a scary urban legend and he's much bulkier and he's much more violent and brutal and all of these things. And in that vein, you know, that's where we landed. Like in so much as he's the exact opposite of Christian Bale's Batman, who's, you know, young and athletic and lean and all these things. Ben Affleck's Batman is big and bulky, but he's still, he's very dangerous and he's really good at what he does. 
uh, but he's so much more experienced. And you see that, and he's got like a weariness and like a uh, a hardness in his face. And I think Ben Affleck in this point in his life, after going through you know a couple marriages and like all of this, you know, the kind of thing that that makes a man look weary in the face, this was the right time. He was also lucky enough to come in at the time when they were able to solve the Batman voice issue by mm-hmm. using a digital voice changer and with Batman or no, with the <laughs> Batman Ben Affleck's uh, uh, Batman voice, which he didn't try too hard with it. It was it was gravelly but it wasn't over the top. And so you couple it with this digital voice changer and it just sounds awesome. And now when I'm... he's in those scenes in the warehouse and he's fighting criminals and he's crawling around the ceiling and in the shadows, it 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 is such the perfect presentation of Batman as urban legend. Agreed. I will say uh, that was the introduction of him in costume as Batman in Batman as... Uh, uh, the, that what the movie just said, <laughs> Superman, Dawn of Justice. While I think that movie is a terrible movie, I don't like that movie at all. His introduction scene as Batman is this one of the single best pieces of Batman cinema filmed, where it's like cops are going into this like creepy, you know, uh, house. It looks it honestly looks like the house, like the pedophile house from Gone Baby Gone, or yeah. Just various, like the 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 house with the the apartment with the in seven with like the guy strapped to the bed who's all yeah. like riding away. It's it's that kind of vibe, and the cops are going in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because to to check on something, and they find this like criminal tied up who's has a who's been branded with like a burnt a bat symbol burnt into him, and the cop is panning around the room with his flashlight. And he just kind of comes to Batman like hanging from the ceiling in the corner. And the cops start shooting at him and Batman just scuttles across the ceiling and goes into a hole. And it was 100%, I feel, the movie or the, the scene in the movie that captured the pure essence of Batman. Yeah. Better than anything else. And, you know, when we're talking about these movies and like, oh, this movie did this well and this one did that well and all this other stuff. I think Batman, as a character in the comics as well, is kind of already has been one of the more disjointed characters in the sense that like maybe it took a long time for like anyone anyone a writer or artist or whatever to kind of nail down his character he was kind of all over the place you know he started out super dark in the first uh handful of comics from like the late 30s and 40s and then he became like this goofy character with like with a kid sidekick and little like a you know fighting alien bats and weird stuff like that and then he started to become a little bit more serious again but it was kind of all over the place where other characters like superman and spider-man have been pretty consistent you know when i think that you know really boils down to sensibility and what your entry point was right because a lot of folks they grew up on the 70s batman or the 80s batman or whatever and then you know once you get to the 2000s You've seen so many incarnations and seen so many treatments. There's so much material to work with, and the character has made so much progress. And so, like, where do you even start? And I think that's why you see in Dawn of Justice, Zack Snyder was like, this might be my only chance to make 
The Dark Knight Returns. So right. I'm I'm going to shoehorn this into this movie as much as I can. And that's why you see Batman in the suit and the big showdown against Superman. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's directly from The Dark Knight Returns. It is. And so you can see that's where he's coming from. He's like, this is the Batman movie I wanted to make. And totally. yeah, I got to do all the, the rest of this setup for Justice League and all this other crap. But like, here here's the real movie that I signed on for. Right. And like what you said too about like when you're bringing up Dark Knight Returns and stuff and there's this is not a, a groundbreaking comment by me by saying this it is one of if not the definitive depiction of Batman in the comic books. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I'm not breaking new ground by saying that but I think one of the reasons why that comic book is so successful in its pre- presentation of Batman is because like you just said there's like it depends on what your entry point was and Frank Miller, the writer of that comic book, kind of took all the different eras, even some of the goofy eras, you know? Yeah. And and took, okay, what works in this era? What is the defining characteristic of Batman from this time period? And consolidated him into this one thing. So he was the first writer that I can really think of that was able to fuse the character into a cohesive character, not just like okay, you got a good thing going on here, but you haven't really fleshed it out yet. Or like, this is kind of weird, but I like this part about it, you know? He was definitely... And I think a lot of probably the reasons why his character was so disjointed over time was just because of censorship and comic codes. Like, he had to stop being a dark character because the censors made him stop being a dark character, you know, in the, in the early days. And then he like, tried to come back a little bit, but was coming back with the baggage of being just like a kind of a joke character for a while. And then, yeah, eventually in the 80s, they were able to, the, Frank Miller was able to fuse all the different elements back together. But yeah, it's kind of disappointing to me about uh, Zack Snyder's film because I agree with you about every single thing you're saying about uh, Ben Affleck's performance and the concept behind his character and when he is on screen doing Batman things and fighting thugs in, in, in the warehouses and, you know, whatnot. It's so on point. That movie is just so bad. And Zack Snyder, is, I think, is somebody who has some good ideas at times and can recognize good movies when he sees them and has made a couple good movies, but I don't really necessarily think he understands why those movies are good that they, that he likes. So he just kind of throws stuff into them, into his own movies without understanding the context of it. And the results of his movies are, is generally disappointing to me, if not just terrible. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's not always necessarily the, the, to blame. I think in a lot of ways, he unfortunately is behind movies that just get messed with and just get, get, you know tinkered with and and there's too many cooks in the kitchen and things like that but yeah he's he's possibly yeah he's visibly talented i mean if anything you can at the very minimum point to movies like dawn of the dead and watchmen uh to see that oh i hate watchmen really i hate watchmen yeah really we could make a whole episode about you and i going back and forth about watchmen yeah that's fascinating i mean it would be interesting too like i don't know if you came from reading the comic first i did yes okay so that that would be interesting because i i had i had been aware of it but i never had read it or was sort of married to the material 
And so seeing the movie, I didn't have as much invested in it, I think, as a lot of people. I don't, I honestly, if, I'm, if I'm being objective, I honestly don't think it was a thing of me being like, I read the comic book first and the comic book's better. I, you know, I, I think that if I had never read the comic book, I still would not like the movie. Because I like the comic book, but it's not like some holy grail for me. Sure. It is for some people. It's not, it's not even my favorite Alan Moore comic book. All right. We'll, we'll get into it some other, other time then. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but back to, back to Batfleck there. Uh, I also think that he did a tremendous job as Bruce Wayne and I found him endearing as a, you know, he's, he's going back and forth with Alfred in a way that, you know, he's not kind of invulnerable to criticism and, uh, being put in his place by someone who is, you know, has a more objective perspective on his, sort of obsessive and and you know wackier tendencies so i liked that a lot and i also thought the he did a great job of being batman while he was being bruce wayne so when he's in yes engaged in repartee with someone and they're kind of exchanging knowing glances and things like that and it's you know it's almost like a not quite on the campy level of like say a secret agent movie but it's that kind of it's like espionage uh, type banter and he I really actually, I really enjoyed that he also does a lot of that very subtly and like what you just said about him being like not above being criticized he's not above being criticized by Alfred and that's pretty much it yeah you know which is also a characteristic from the comic books because there's a point in it in the in that movie where like he's talking to Clark Kent and he's not aware that Clark Kent is Superman at this point in time yet and Clark Kent says something critical of Batman to Bruce Wayne and you just he just does this very subtle tick in his face. Yeah. You can tell that he just wants to literally beat the shit out of yeah. uh, Clark Kent at that moment. And one thing I, I do like about Ben Affleck's characterization of, of him and where I will give Zach uh, Snyder some credit in, in, in it is Batman is kind of insane. And by kind of insane, yes. he's very insane. Right. And that is one thing I don't like about the Christopher Nolan movies is how just like mentally stable uh oh and so self-righteous and self-righteous if, and he's doing like such a public service that everyone should thank him just, for yeah and he's, he's just like he's like i just want to you know help everybody out and then i want to retire because i don't really want to do this like batman does this because it's a crazy obsession yes and he's he's, he's seeking vengeance upon the criminal underworld as a whole because of individual incidents that happened to him. Yeah. And he doesn't care if he's t- if he if he's going after the actual perpetrators. Let me stop you right there because speaking of vengeance, it's time for the main event. It's time to get to the reason why we're here, and that's to talk about Robert Pattinson in the Batman. Ooh, yeah, that trailer's come out. Uh, Robert Pattinson has had COVID, has recovered from COVID. Batman's filming again. Lots going on. Yeah, it's been quite the roller coaster with that production, but I think overall the response has been off the charts in terms of excitement and anticipation. Yes. Well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to give because our reaction to the trailer, even though that trailer came out like two months ago now. Here we are, getting off our asses, doing that thing that kids love, and that's trailer reactions. So, Keith, what did you think of the trailer? I loved it. I think that it looks like a good movie and i think in this case 
maybe it won't have to be just whoever's playing Batman is carrying the entire load. Maybe it can just be a great movie overall. And who's playing Batman is one piece of the puzzle. True, but I will say too, like, I mean, obviously we're going to have to wait and see how Robert Pattinson is, but he's an actor who I think, uh, I think he's starting to get, you know, uh, move away from the baggage he was carrying with the Twilight films, you know, but he's a really great actor. And if you've seen movies like The Lighthouse or uh, The Rover, it's a good time. You can see just how, how great he is. And like initially, I think when people... When he started to be another stuff, they're like the Twilight Kid, you know. But like, we got to remember, like, I think sometimes we have forget stuff that, like, remember Kurt Russell, we, you know, think of as this action star and dramatic actor, actor, but he started out in things like Computer War, Tennis Shoes, and a bunch of like feel good Disney movies, you know. Yeah, he was a Disney, like a product of the Disney studio system. He was a, he was a Zac Efron or, uh, uh, uh who, who was in some other modern day, like Disney kids. Um, doesn't matter, but it's, it's that kind of thing. It would be like it was, he was making that same tra- type of transition, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate that actors and actresses, performers in general, get pigeonholed into those sort of roles, and it really takes something unique to, to sort of knock everyone's expectations uh, loose so that well, they can we're, really, we're... like, do something different. Well, I think we're, were we kind of talking about that earlier in this episode, right? Where it's like, Everyone's so shocked when someone plays something like an actor whose job is to play different characters, plays something against the type that they've been cast as, you know, it's like maybe they could have always done that. It's just like the audience and wouldn't allow them, you know? Yeah. I mean, what isn't that the that's the whole deal with our our favorite guy in the world, Jai Courtney? Uh huh. He has so much fun as Captain Boomerang, but in everything else, he's drier than toast. Yeah. And maybe he just needs those great character roles to spread his wings. Like a bat. Like a bat. Well, <laughs> I'm also I am also uh really impressed by the trailer. I think it looks really good. Uh I'm a big fan of the director, uh Matt Reeves, who's only done a handful of movies, but I think he's shown him shown himself as someone who has a lot of one technical savvy about like okay, here's how you you know, te- make a movie technically, but also just like a master at balancing tone, which I th- think is something that, you know, every superhero movie needs, but particularly a movie like Batman, which is supposed to be like the real world, you know, you're playing such a delicate balancing act of not going too, too serious, you know, putting it too much in the real world where you just can't buy a guy dressed as a bat anymore or too goofy where you can't buy it in the real world anymore. And I think, uh, have you seen any, any of the like the newer Planet of the Apes movies, like War for Planet of the Apes or uh, Dawn of Planet of the Apes? Well, I'm looking at his filmography here, and I'm seeing one one thing really, actually a couple movies really stand out, and those are Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, and The Pallbearer. Wait, what? Yeah, The Pallbearer, starring David Schwimmer and Gwyneth Paltrow. But what, what did he do on those movies? Was he a director on those? Let's see, hold on. I was looking at the movie poster. <laughs> oh, he did not. To, he was a writer on Under Siege 2, which okay. he is still responsible for that movie. <laughs> and he was writer and director on The Pallbearer. Really? I did not know that. I thought he, because he made a, 
That's, I mean, that's, that came out a while ago too, because he made, I thought Cloverfield was his first movie. No, Cloverfield was like his fourth movie. Oh, Fifth. really? Yeah. Fifth? Yeah. Like as a director? Yeah, he made a, a movie in 1994 called Future Shock, which I believe I have, uh, I have seen. Let me just double check here. What? This is blowing my mind. Yeah, he's, he's done a few things. He also really made it big uh, on the TV show Felicity. Right. Yeah, I knew he had he had like some directing duties on that. Uh, what the hell, man? I thought like his first feature was that. Yeah, was was Cloverfield. Um, he's. I mean, yeah, he's older than I thought he was. Holy shit! Future Shock, the Paul Bearer. Oh man, Brian Brian James okay. and Bill Paxton. Hell yeah. So okay, so yeah. He, after the Paul uh, Paul Bearer, his next feature film is Cloverfield, and that comes out oh twelve years after the Paul Bearer. So he's done. He did TV in between that, but that was yeah his first feature after that. Yeah, but he was really waiting to just unleash his best work. Yeah. Okay, so Cloverfield was like I'm not really into found footage movies, but I think it's pretty well done for one of those type of films. Oh yeah. And then you get into his other stuff after that, like the plan, like the Dawn for the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes, which is the, this, that's uh, two and three of the new batch of Planet of the Apes films, I think are very impressive. In, you know, once again, in that concept of balancing tone, because one and like, the, I mean, if you have, if you have haven't seen those movies, it's not like the original Planet of the Apes movies where it's like these evolved half human, half ape people. It's like they're just straight up look like regular apes and you have them yeah, just monkeys running. carrying accessories. Yeah. They're like, they're riding, they're riding horses and wheeling machine guns, which I think could so easily fall into the, like the ridiculous zone, you know, if not handled perfectly. Um, because like, I think when, once you have like the, in the other, like the early, older films, like you're like, okay, like obviously this is like some mutated form of evolved ape. It's, somewhere in between human and ape. And yeah. you just, you kind of see that and you just kind of like, once you've seen that, you're just kind of ready to accept anything they do. You know, this is just like, we're just looking at apes and, you know, the way we see, the way they look and, and base have the same bodies and basically a lot of the same behaviors. Yeah. It's not as, even like an Island of Dr. Moreau situation where no. like you might see, uh, you know, an ape wearing a Hawaiian shirt or like a wristwatch. Right. It's like they're straight up just monkeying around. Mm-hmm. And that could that could get silly so quickly. Yeah, and it doesn't it sound it, silly. It doesn't once. It's like handled so perfectly. So that gives me a lot of faith in his ability to balance, like, like I said, tone. And another movie he did uh, that I really like is uh, Let Me In. Oh yeah. Which is, uh, I guess it's not a remake of Let the Right One In, because they're both based on the same novel. No, it's a redo. Yeah, but it's, uh, what's really impressive about that movie is how, I've never read the book, so I'm, but I'm assuming maybe they both follow the book very closely, because the two movies are very similar in terms of, you know, what scenes are in the movie, what happens. There's not a lot of departure in terms of the narrative, but the movie's his movie is distinctly his movie, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. It's one of those, you sort of have to allow yourself the, the pleasure of watching both movies based on mm -hmm. a single piece of source material, because 
they're both equally good for slightly different reasons, but they mostly contain the same ingredients. Yeah, and it's like I personally like uh, I personally like Matt Reeves' version a little bit more, which I think really speaks to it too, because I saw Let the Right One In first. Mm-hmm. So if you see that one first, and then you watch a movie that's in so many ways almost identical, yet you're still you're still like it still feels fresh and new, and it's not like. I think sometimes if you watch something or read something that was like very close, whichever one you read first would probably be your favorite because yeah. they're so similar. Yeah, whichever the, one makes the initial impact on you. Right, you know, but I had that I had that with Let the Right One In and then let me and then when I saw Let Me In, which is so close, but even like I think so masterfully done that I was just like, Oh, this is one I like this one even more. You know? Um Yeah, it's just so kinda it, leaner and tighter, but Yeah. We're not so, here to talk about vampires. We're here to talk no. about a man in a bat suit. That's right. So yeah, I'm I'm so I'm based on the the people behind the camera, all the actors in front of the camera. It's got a great cast. I'm really looking forward to it based on those things and the trailer looks fantastic as well. Yeah, the energy and the vibe of the, of that trailer, the sort of crime-ridden city and the noir kind of feel is great and obviously Robert Pattinson is playing a younger less experienced version of Batman. He seems like he's fairly new on the scene. He's still working some things out and um, sort of upsetting the uh, apple cart of the the crime underworld in Gotham. So, But I think he looks good. I mean, which is kind of the the first criteria that we go to. Like like in the Batman suit? or Yeah, in the suit and out of the suit. He looks like a young yeah. Bruce Wayne. He's got that crazy jawline. He's got sort of haunting, ghostly eyes. I mean, he mm-hmm. looks like someone who is perpetually in mourning. What do you think of... I was that was a question I want to ask you. What do you think of the suit itself? Because it's a kind of a different suit than we've seen, at least seen in the movies. Yeah, it's sort of... It's kind of similar to... In, in tactical nature to the Batman Begins and other Christopher Nolan movies, but it also seems less refined and it's a little clunky and and just unfinished, it seems. Um, well, it's kind of... Have you ever played any of the uh, like those like newer like Batman like PlayStation games like Arkham Asylum or yes. Arkham City? Yes, I have. So it's very... The costume is very similar to the ones from those games. You think so? I think I think I mean if I'm going to compare it to defend your position. Okay. <laughs> if I'm going to compare it to uh other costumes we've seen so far, you know, whether like I said, whether that would be in the movies or just in the comic books or other medium, that is the costume I think it's closest to. Like when I saw that they made, they released that teaser trailer a while ago where it was just kind of Batman stepping out of the shadows with music playing. Right. And I saw it, and that instantly invoked that to me. Now, I do think the overall production design of the game has a drastically different tone than what this movie appears to be. Like, those games kind of remind me of... They don't really remind me of Batman, even though they're kind of fun games. Like, they remind me of, like, what I imagine going to, like, a Family Values tour in the late 90s probably looked like. (laughs) I never went to one of those, but I mean, like... The game, the game itself, kind of looks like a corn album cover come to life, you know. And uh, you're back to fight another culture war against the nineties. I, I certainly <laughs> am. <laughs> uh, but like, I feel like I feel like that that stamp is all over those games. And uh, so, yeah, I like uh, that's kind of how I how I, how I 
but I, yeah, I kind of feel like that that costume kind of has that like because it has that like kind of like you said clunky, but also like very much looks like it looks like armor more than any other yes costume you know that we've seen before. I mean, like it looks like his chest plate is made out of just straight like some sort of metal rather than plastic. You know, well, and there's a lot of debate about what so the bat symbol looks like something that can be removed. And Maybe, I think yeah. there there might be a shot in the trailer where it actually is removed and used as a weapon or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of debate about what it actually is and what it's made out of and and things like that. It's got a whole there's sort of a whole conspiracy theory rabbit hole that people are going down about it, which is kind of it's kind of fun and exciting, but it's also like why don't you just like like what, what's the obsession with that? You know, like can you use his bat chest symbol as a weapon? Like well, it was we'll find out you know yeah yeah exactly we'll find out it's, that's half the fun is waiting to see what happens right. i don't know kids right. the, kids these days they like to ruin i don't surprises. know it's like i guess i guess i wouldn't like even if it was a complete surprise it wouldn't like blow my mind if like that what batman's using a gadget no, yeah it's not uh <laughs> it's insanity <laughs> it's not entirely out of out of scope for him but yeah i think he looks uh looks good and uh yeah, like I said, I think this movie is not going to. I think the Dark Knight uh, hinges on the Joker. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Oh, I one hundred percent agree. I don't think this movie is going to hinge on Robert Pattinson as Batman. I think overall the movie is going to be spread out amongst the the villains and the supporting characters, which is exciting. You don't. You don't. You don't think. You don't think he's going to play like a significant role in terms of. Because you kind of what I would hope for is it to be a little bit more balanced, you know, in all directions. Because I do kind of feel like you said the Dark Knight hinges on the Joker, and a lot of the times in these the the Batman movies we've seen, Batman has almost seemed like a secondary character at times. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't necessarily have to have him have the entire spotlight, but I would like the you know the main character of the story to you know have me have a little bit more investment in him himself, you know, rather than just like what's going on around him, you know? I think what we may finally be getting, and I don't know that we've necessarily ever seen this in a Batman movie is a sympathetic Batman, a tragic uh-huh. because the, the backstory of Batman is tragic, but I don't know that many of the performers who have played Batman have really elicited that, that kind of, or or not elicited, but evoked that kind of sympathy and tragedy and that sense of perpetual mourning, and I right. think maybe we'll get it this time. Or well, even when it, I think when it has been introduced, a lot of times it's just been like done in such a hokey manner that like I still don't really care. Well, know? I mean, just just looking at you know George Clooney and Val Kilmer, they're not very sympathetic sort of no looking guys. Uh, ben Affleck was. He was very, uh, he carried a lot of sort of pathos in his face and things like that, but he was still just sort of this huge jacked up yeah, absolute monster. Well, and like we said earlier, like the script only allowed him to do so much. Right. You know, it's like the, the big catharsis in, in, uh, you know, Batman versus Superman for his character where he shows the pain of the loss is when he finds out that his mom and Superman's mom have the same name, you know? And 
like that's supposed to be the great revelation of of his character like, coming to terms with his tragedy and it's just like man whoever wrote that shit because come on yeah because it's not even like they're both orphans no no it's just like what, what you, you got your mom and my mom have the same name like why'd you say that name and like and it's just like well it's my mom like and now we're best friends and it's like for real dude like i guess it was really it was the gateway to uh understanding via misunderstanding it's like well, if we, can have, if we can have a misunderstanding about a woman's name, maybe this all <laughs> is a, a big misunderstanding. <laughs> Jesus fucking... I'm just saying, like, yeah, like, we talked about, like, how much we like him at, as Batman, but it's, like, it's it's remarkable that we like him as much as, you, as we do when we... When he had like what he had to work with, yeah, very, you know, very little to do. It's like it's kind of like if he had a good script, like what 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 levels could he have reached if like some of the dialogue had just been like at least serviceable, you know? Oh, God only knows. I mean, this <laughs> yeah. was supposed to. There's supposed to be another Ben Affleck Batman. I'm not sure if it would have been this movie exactly, but he was going to be doing another right. solo yeah, Batman he, movie that he was going to write and direct. Yeah. Uh, I, so I don't what think would that gonna... have been? I don't think it was going to be this plot because I no. think the it was a because like the, there's a few uh, villains in this one, but I think the main villain in this one's supposed to be the Riddler. Right. And in, in a it, they had announced when uh, Ben Affleck was going still going to do it that the the main character villain was going to be Deathstroke. I think. Really. I think so. Yeah. And what's uh, that dude? That jacked up dude from uh, True Blood, like Joe. Uh, oh, Mangian, Mangian, no, no. Yes, yeah, that guy, that guy. He was gonna play Deathstroke. Yeah, that's cool, I guess. I guess, yeah. I don't really have any investment in that character, so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get invested in a character that can like it is like a tactical genius and can like is always ten steps ahead of everyone else. It's like, yeah, uh-huh. okay. Well, he's also just like kind of like has that like. I don't really know when the character of Deathstroke was in, first came out in the comics, but he has like oh, that, like the seventies uh, or eighties. Oh, really? Yeah, he's pretty old. Oh, I kind of, I guess, I just from more familiar with him from newer iterations, where it's just kind of like that, you know, early to mid two thousands tech badass, you know, yeah, who's just a votive personality. It's just like my guns are huge. Yeah, yeah. You December know? of nineteen eighty, he debuted. Oh shit. I had I did not know that. I mean, was he was he was, I, maybe he was like one of those characters that was like revitalized and became more popular decades oh, later. Yeah, it's sort of every ten years he he experiences a yeah. resurgence. Um, especially, the, he's always been entwined with like uh, the Teen Titans. Uh huh. Okay. And then also the, he's been in you know they, they always sort of it's one of those utility characters where they'll trot him out when they need him and they can kind of mold and and move him around to do what what they want him to do he showed up in a comic called identity crisis which was a big sort of um crossover for dc uh mm-hmm. for the justice league uh and they did a really good job making him look like a, a threat i mean he takes single-handedly takes apart a core group of justice league members like with ease mm-hmm. like flash hawkman green lantern like in a, in a single fight and they treat him as very much a high level threat they're like uh-huh. we have to take him down fast otherwise we're gonna lose our chance so 
he's kind of a cool character, but in terms of Batman, um, it's usually always, uh, well, there's a contract out on Batman and Deathstroke is, you know, at the top of the list of assassins trying to cash in on it. Gotcha. Like, yeah. Okay. Cause I was never really that, I was never really familiar with him. I'm like, I guess probably did the bulk of my Batman comic book reading in the nineties and I don't remember him yeah. ever coming up. Uh, but that's actually kind of interesting that he was like, uh, you know, has became, he was invented earlier and then gained more relevance later. Cause one thing I learned a while ago was, uh, the Riddler was not like prior to the TV show was not a huge Batman villain. Yeah. And he had only been in like three comics in the forties mm-hmm. and then had not been used at all since then. And when they were developing the show, they asked some guy to go like do some research and, uh, get some villains for the show and he just like went to a used bookstore and was like do you have any batman comics and the guy and they handed him like a stack and that was one of them was a riddler one so like okay we'll use these guys and one of them was riddler he was popular on the show so they brought him back in the comic books but he had like a 20 plus year absence of not being in any comics you know he'd only ever he was like a throwaway villain of the week and that was it i love hearing stories where it wasn't a masterful, like, creative stroke of genius and control right. at, at every level. It was like, oh, yeah, it was just sort of an accident. Like, it just fell. Yeah. It just, the dominoes fell that way, and uh, holy crap, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, and probably, too, I mean, just because, like, you know, because it was, like you said, like, wasn't he wasn't repopularized until the series. It was probably just because Frank Gorshin was so fucking good as the Riddler on that show, you mm-hmm. know? Because well, there's tons of there was tons of other you know like villains of the week on the show that never like became popular in the comic books. Right. Well, and then the you know with Batman the animated series, uh, there's a lot of great Riddler episodes. They do a really mm-hmm. good job of making that character worth something. Mm-hmm. Well, they I mean like we said earlier about how like that show was really had way better than any had any right to be, or and still kind of holds up, or it's impressive how good it was rather than. Any right it had yeah, to be for a children's cartoon. It did right. not have to be that good. It's and, uh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and like really, like kind of like all of the villains on that show are given a lot of uh, depth and character. I mean, honestly, Joker is probably the flat one of the flatter characters on the show. You know, although they do, there's a few episodes where they really give him a lot to work with. Oh. I wasn't even really saying that as a criticism, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, that just shows you how much attention they give to the other v- villains because, oh, yeah. you know, like, usually it's like, it's Joker, it's Joker, it's Joker, Joker's all we care about, Joker, Joker, Joker. And they put, invested so much energy into the all the other ones that even, that, like, Joker kind of seems to come out looking a little bit at the bottom, you know, yeah. of, of, the, of the top, t- you know, but that's the bottom of a very well-tiered high profile you know yeah they do such a good job painting the backstories of characters like the mad hatter and scarecrow Mm -hmm. and then even the sort of one-off villains like there's the episode lockup where an orderly from arkham asylum just sort of snaps and he's like well no one is doing what needs to be done to keep these criminals these super criminals off the streets and even batman is sort of missing the mark so i'm gonna do it and with my knowledge of maximum security and i don't know being a guard at a nut house i'm going to <laughs> clean up the streets and it's pretty good and the ending is really good and very satisfying because he ends up back in arkham asylum 
in a straight jacket and as they're putting him into his cell he's like ah finally i can keep an eye on all of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> that's great yeah and that's yeah, just we're... a single a single 20 22 minute episode that's self-contained yeah and you never there's see lots... or hear from him again there's lots of like little those are kind of the episodes that really stand out in my mind i mean there was definitely some that were kind of stupid too like i remember there's yeah. one where it's like basically like the Stepford Wives meets Blade Runner with like these robots and shit. And uh, it's like, it's kind of just like over the top and nonsensical. Um, but like a lot of the episodes that take out of my mind are the one-offs. Like, do you remember that one where it's uh, like, there's like homeless people just like disappearing and Bruce Wayne goes undercover, like pretending to be homeless and then oh, he gets yeah, kidnapped. He's, his, that's his homeless alter ego. Uh, right. Matches Malone. Right, yeah, and uh, he gets hit on the head and doesn't remember that he's Batman. He's, like, put in this homeless person labor farm in the desert or something. And that one always, like, really yeah. stuck out of my mind. That one was, you know, and there's one where it's just kind of, like, where he goes back to Japan, like, where he had training. Like, oh, face man, it, like, there's two of those. Yeah, it's They're a two-parter. so good. There's one where the ninja's in Gotham, and then there's one where he goes back to Japan, and the final fight's on, like, an erupting volcano. Yeah, it's really, and, like, and, like it has, like, a stupid touch of death thing but it's handled really well you know oh yeah it's the the whole focus is on the touch of death it's yeah. like that taking that simpsons episode about the touch of the death and and just like blowing it wide open it's so and like, good yeah, the, and the, we're gonna play it straight yeah. and the ancient like martial art that he can't bring himself to teach anyone because it's too dangerous and like he takes the ninja takes off his shirt and he's got a big like flaming devil head tattooed on his back and like Oh, oh man, I kind of want to go. So kind of want to go watch it's that now. So good, but even though the one in when the ninjas in Gotham is the first one, and it's the whole debate is, can Batman beat this guy? Yeah, and he's he, he the, this this guy knows all the tricks. He knows everything that Batman knows, and he's a more vicious and skilled fighter. Well, frankly, that's kind of like what I liked so much. I mean, like, we've talk, I know we've talked about this a little bit on this episode. We've talked about it on the show before. One of the things I like about The Dark Knight Rises so much and why I like it better than, you know, The Dark Knight with Joker is the fact that Bane in that is the actual true match for Batman or surpasses him, you know, and not the way in the comic book where Bane's all like jacked up on like super steroids, but it's like. Bane has done the exact same work to get where he has that Batman has done. Right. And he's better at it than him. You know, he's stronger than him. He's outsmarting him, you know, but he's also ruthless. He's not worried about casualties or the, the humanity that anchors Batman is absent. Yeah. As, as an adversary, I think overall it's that interpretation of Bane as an adversary is probably one of the best Batman villains ever. Whereas like, yeah, we all know why the Joker isn't that funny though? When you when you look at the Joker and Bane side by side, the Joker is able to inexplicably come up with these hopelessly complex schemes in order to you know prove a, a philosophical point to Batman and mm-hmm. everyone else, and yet Batman is able to foil them every time. Meanwhile, Bane is just um, he has these very simple sort of one-two punch schemes. Like, I'm going to blow up all the bridges and trap everybody in Gotham. And right. What are you going to do? Nothing. Yeah. But, and yet Batman cannot find a, cannot possibly find a way to uh, overcome. I want people to give that movie a second chance and, and watch it from a perspective of 
not loving, you know, it's, it's not coming into it being like, it's not, doesn't have Heath Ledger as the Joker in it. I don't like it as much, you yeah. know. It's becoming more and more, I think, with time. I think it's becoming people's favorites. I was listening to wrestling broadcasting legend Tony Schiavone on a podcast talking, mm -hmm. and his favorite movie, if you don't know who Tony Schiavone is, he was no the, clue. the legendary play-by-play -play man for World Championship Wrestling uh, throughout the uh, late 80s and 90s. He did a brief stint in the World Wrestling Federation in the early 90s. Um, and now he's he's back on television, but he has a podcast, and he's a very big comic book nerd. He loves Batman and Green Lantern and things like that. But uh, yeah, his favorite is The Dark Knight Rises. There we go. So yeah, so, I'm so there about. you go. Yeah, give it a give it a second look. Yeah. Give it a chance because I mean we'll just have, we'll have to wait and see how the Batman, this new one coming out, stacks up. But right now, you know, it's looking yeah, it's pretty dang good. It looks yeah. like Batman by way of seven. And that is a very good feeling. I agree. That's that's what the trailer very much invoked to me was kind of like, yeah, this creepy seven vibe. It looks like it has a good mix of the detective quality, which I don't know. If, did we talk about this earlier about how not too many movies? Batman I think movies so. Actually yeah, have, Batman's never detecting. He's very, very little. I mean, he does a little bit of it in, in a couple ones and stuff, but like. In the in the Dark Knight, he does like that really fake, seeming like finding the fingerprint on a shattered bullet. Uh, oh yeah, I was gonna say, what's that? What was that one where he does the ballistics testing? Right, that's that's the Dark Knight, and, and yeah. even that, it just seems like I'm watching that. I'm like, this is this isn't how you would do. This doesn't make any sense, you know. Uh, and then there's a little bit in is no, there really isn't any in the other ones. Like when in, I was gonna say, there's a little bit in a. Uh, the first Batman with like the, where they're trying to figure out. It's mostly the, interrogation and intimidation kind of. Yeah. Things. Yeah. There's not like, if it, there, you never get the sense that he's the world's greatest detective. No, not at all. Which he's supposed to be. So just based on the trailer, I think we might be getting a little bit of that. We'll have to wait and see, um, obviously, but I hope that's what, where it's going. But yeah. Overall excitement. That's right. So, coming out sometime next year if the world still exists um then we'll see what we'll see then and we'll be back with another we'll, we'll have an episode where we react to the movie itself oh yeah definitely because yeah. whether it's good or whether it's bad i'm sure there's going to be uh controversial opinions and probably a big split just oh, yeah. just based on the way this stuff always goes yeah exactly where it's like in in scene four, Batman's toe was a little bit too much to the left, and that's why this is the worst movie ever made. Oh uh, yeah, when he he punched that guy in the ribs, he clearly severed the the C three <laughs> vertebrae of his spinal column and ended his life. So technically, blah 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 blah. Yeah, dude. Like God. I mean, I know that's kind of what we're doing to a certain degree, but it's like you have to have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, I think that we. I don't think that we we're so fixated on on those details that we're missing the the beauty of yeah. the movies that we watch. So I guess I, that's really it. I mean, you and I both like a movie called Cyborg by Albert Pune starring yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Correct. And there's a lot of things to like about that movie, but there is a ton of technic just straight up technical ineptitude. Yeah. But the whole point of this show is to like movies 
despite their flaws. Well, and the thing is, is like with that movie, like you said there's there's a lot of technical ineptitude, but as a narrative feature, it works. And nothing happens in the movie that takes me out of the reality that the movie itself oh, yeah. has set. It's not like it's not like you know. Uh, in one scene, Jean-Claude Van Damme is super strong, and in another scene, he's he has human strength. It's like that's consistent. That's something that takes me out of a lot of superhero movies. Sometimes is when, in some scenes, Captain America is picking up tanks and throwing them over his head, but then in another scene, he's having a fist fight with a regular dude and not just instantly annihilating him. You know, right? Uh, so I'm yeah I'm much more I'm much more especially when we're talking about adaptations of comic books and them being true to the character stuff I'm still more interested in narrative structure and does that narrative structure work more so than every minutiae detail being technically accurate to the comic book or scientifically sound as long as it works within the uh, the tone and universe that the movie has already set up and created you know. So then, just to put a bow on all of this, who is your favorite Batman of all time? Well, if I'm who's just, your guy? If I have to talk about, if we're talking, we're not talking about what's your favorite movie. Just no, just the just the Batman, just the guy, just the guy, just the probably, man under the cowl. Probably Michael Keaton, even though I those are uh, not my favorite movies. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. He's great. Yeah, he's great. I, I think if he's, the, I think he kind of has some of the same issue that uh, um, Ben Affleck had with with what he had to work with. Now I think his movies are phenomenally better than Batman versus Superman, um, but still, like like I said, they're really they were really groundbreaking movies, particularly the first one. But they haven't they're they haven't aged particularly well, you know. And the, if you actually just look at the scripts for them themselves, like it, they're not incredibly well-written movies overall. There's there are definitely moments within them. Like, and I'm not saying they're bad movies. They're just not as good as when that first visceral rush of watching them, you know, 20 plus 30, almost 30 years ago. They're well, over 30 years ago now. There's a lot to be said for that too. I think your yeah. sort of, your point of impact is so important because whatever your first experience that that moment that like thrilled you and captured your imagination that's likely going to be it for you like you're going to carry that with you and it's always going to be your favorite and that's okay because ultimately this isn't who's the best and who's the worst it's right it's all a matter of preference and some people are gonna they're gonna say that matches malone is their 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 favorite incarnation of batman or maybe uh uh, Jean Paul, the the French cult member who uh, took over as Batman after he got his bat- back broken, that might be their favorite Batman. Or they might like the Flashpoint Paradox Batman, which is actually Tom, a drunk Thomas Wayne who uses guns. You know, Shit. there's so many, so many incarnations. Obviously, those aren't in the movies <laughs> yet. I want to see the drunk Thomas Wayne, like. Ah, I get another gun. Let's be like, hey, you little bat shits. Well, watch, um, watch uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, a DC animated movie, and you get okay. to see uh, the Thomas Wayne Batman, and it's okay. I, I really out. like it. That's a, a great movie out. and a cool storyline. But I haven't watched a ton of those of uh, those animated ones. I think I watched. Oh, like they're the, great. I watched the Batman Year One. That might have been it, actually. 
Yeah, there's a bunch of them on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, so you should definitely check them out because it, it is all of those sort of self-contained stories. It's There's one with the Court of Owls. There's one in the Flashpoint Paradox. Just a- Some of these I'm not really familiar with. Like the last, I think, like from the comic book storyline, Batman storyline I read was uh, Hush. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of like that's kind of like my the last thing I have a recollection of from from the comics. Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, all, I mean, all of these movies do a great job of setting this up for uh, someone that doesn't know. Yeah, they're all they're all very like complete and fulfilling movies. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I highly recommend all the Justice League Dark, uh, Under the Red Hood. Um, Batman and Son. Batman and Son. Uh, yeah, it's all just great stuff. All right, well, then what would, who would be your... Well, you've already said kind of it. Yeah, uh, yep, Ben Affleck. Ben, ben Affleck is he's your it. favorite. He's yeah. it, yeah. And it's it's I'd, unfortunate that his his run was uh, cut so short Yeah. before it really I, got to get off the ground, but here we are. I'm hesitant to say I'd put him as a second place just because like I said like the source, like what he had to work with within it, like I think really hindered his ability to be a better Batman. But I think the, I think I can see the potential there for him to have been really, really good, you know? Uh, so yeah, unfortunately I can't really, I don't really feel like I can give him a completely fair shake in, in the ranking. I definitely would easily put him above, uh, Clooney or Kilmer, but like compa- <laughs> comparing him to, 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 uh, where he would fall in line with like between Keaton, Bale, and uh, and himself. That's a little tougher. Well, and that's the fun part of things like this. It's like not everybody has the same opinion, and everyone's everyone's reasons and motivations for loving the one they love uh, are different, and. Yeah, that's I'm just kind of like I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just hit the wall. <laughs> that was it. That's it, guys. We've we've exhausted this like this talk about like which we're trying to like uh, guess who's the best Batman based on like various quality of different movies and a movie we haven't even seen yet. So we all know the best Batman is the animated Batman. That's okay, true. That's okay. it. That's the that's best. It. Hands and, down. And, and we can't even use this. We can't even use the excuse like, well, that's a TV series. It doesn't count because he had a movie too. So, that's true. He was which mas- I never saw. Mask I never saw of the that. Phantasm. Never saw it. Yeah, that's available. I think it's on. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. Okay, so I'll have to watch. Give, yeah, watch. You got a lot of Batman Fuck. stuff to watch. A lot of Batman stuff to watch. Uh, well, so I guess that wraps up this installment of the Trash Heap. Yeah, um, don't forget to uh, check out some other episodes. And in the meantime, let us know what your favorite Batman is and why. And tell us why we're wrong. Because mm-hmm. our opinions don't matter. Make don't. up your own mind. We'll come back with our who, who was our favorite uh, Blade. True question. There was only one. No, wait, there was two. I'm sorry, there was two Blades. Yeah, there's a TV Blade. That's right. And Mahershal Ali's going to be Blade now. Buh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They announced that like a, a while ago. Uh, like the movie hasn't like started filming or anything, but they just announced that uh, Rahersholly would be a new Blade in like Phase Five of the Marvel Universe or whatever. I don't know. Like whatever Phase. Oh yeah, in. they'll have to tie it into uh, Morbius and then probably Ghost Rider at that point if they're gonna complete the 
trifecta of well i don't know i don't think they're gonna because morbius morbius uh that's in the fucking sony universe oh yeah it is not in the mcu universe of marvel characters oh my god i bet you like blade will have morted and then like they're only as far as i know they're only going to use ghost rider on the Asians of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that, yeah. that that's kind of its own separate even though it has some crossover characters it's kind of its own separate world and that is not part of like the continuity of of the of the movie so I bet you anything if they're going to tie it in they'd probably use stuff like uh, like Doctor Strange or something you know some of the more like esoteric magical supernatural stuff that they've already dipped their toe in yeah, maybe maybe we'll get uh, things like Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night too. I think they have talked about doing a Moon Knight uh, I think one. So, so there you go, guys. There's lots of comic book movies. Uh, we may or may not talk about them. It's just a mystery. So, Keith, what do you always say at this point? Well, first off, the night's always darkest before the dawn. And Correct. until next time, the track. <laughs> don't edit that out you can edit lots of things out but don't edit that out <laughs> I almost had it one more time the night's always darkest before the dawn and until next time the dumpster is closed goodbye everyone <laughs> kill uh, me now no, that was my favorite part of everything <laughs>